So this evening, uh, we are going to be continuing to walk through the book of Acts. Uh, we are in chapter 16. Uh, if you want to go ahead and start turning there. Chapter 16, we're going to be starting in verse 6. Uh, but before we get there, I want to challenge you to think back into your past, far, your distant past, back to when you were about four years old. Some of us went to preschool, right? Some of us didn't go to school until kindergarten. That's fine, right? We're all here now, so... It's okay. But some of us, we went to preschool, right? We need a little bit of a jump start on things. Uh, I was one of those kids. And so in preschool, I've found that generally people, when they think about that time period, they're like, oh, yeah, I know. It's really great. Nap time, right? And playing with toys. And like, I had like seven girlfriends. And it was totally cool, right? Like, they've they've got these great memories, uh, which I envy. Because when I think back to preschool, I just remember sheer terror and chaos and pain is basically, basically how I would describe it in three words. Uh, because my top three, really my, my three primary memories of preschool are all horrible. Uh, I remember my very first day of preschool. I showed up, didn't really know what was going on. I just, I thought that uh, my mom liked me, but apparently no. And so I just had to go hang out in this room with these kids. And I just thought, you know, I'll just play some blocks I know, I, I understand blocks, like that's, that's a world I understand, and so I started beginning constructing, I built this awesome tower, and this kid walks up named Ryan, okay, Ryan Lefevre, and he walks up to my tower, and no word, nothing, I'm like, oh, you want to play with butt? And he just knocks him down. And then walks away, right? And as he's walking away, my British butler steps up and says, some men just want to see the world burn, Jacob. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, you're right. And then Ryan became the Joker. And I was in that moment, I was like, this just, this doesn't even make sense, right? I was like, that, 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 that action, it doesn't even like fit. Like everyone's supposed to be nice and I, I don't understand. And that just, that started off my, my preschool career until one day, apparently, I don't even remember the circumstances around it, but somehow I had an accident where I urinated and wasn't planning on it. Okay. So there was the situation and I don't even remember the situ- I don't even remember what, ex- how exactly it happened because what happened next was more traumatizing, uh, because my teacher, uh, told me, okay, you know, whatever. She's probably used to it, but she's like, okay, I don't, you know, we're all in the class right now. I, don't, I can't really leave. And so just go to that corner. Okay. Go to the story time corner and change with everyone else still in the classroom. And she's like, don't worry, no one will watch. I'm like, okay. And they're all like, ah, right. And so, I just had to go over to this corner and try to hide behind a chair and change my pants as a four-year-old, okay? And so in that moment, I, I had set myself up for just this life of like as a social pariah, just like cast out, like no one wanted to deal with the icky, can't hold his towers up pee kid. And so there was this one moment, there's this other day, my, my last memory is where we were sitting around our table and we were eating pudding, chocolate pudding, because yum. And as we're sitting there, I saw this as my chance, as my shot to achieve acceptance, to somehow prove to the masses that I, I, I could fit in, that I could be cool. And so I thought the best way to do this is by fitting as much chocolate pudding onto my spoon at one time as possible. And so I scooped in my spoon and brought it out, and I was in the middle of telling everyone, hey, look how much chocolate pudding. And right in that moment, it just fell off and just exploded all over my area. And so suddenly, 
I stand up in shock, and it looks like I have pooed the front of my pants. And everyone just laughed and points, and then my mom had to come because I'd already used up my spare shorts for when I peed myself. And it was just, it was a traumatic experience. And it's one of those things where I look back and I'm like, oh my gosh, preschool was horrible, right? Like the only way I even got through was because there were always these adults that were like, okay, just, you know, do this, color this sheet, you know, like go over here, wake up then, go to sleep now, right? And they were telling me these things, and that was, that was my only hope was to just listen to them and be like, okay, yeah, I'll just do that, I'll do that, I'll keep my head down. I'm like, I'll, I'll try to do these things right. I won't eat chocolate pudding ever again, I promise, right? And, and only through that was I able to survive, was I able to get through this tumultuous, chaotic period. And, and the thing is that a lot of times, man, even if we find ourselves able to build block towers without them getting knocked over, right? If we're maybe not dropping chocolate pudding on the front of our pants as much now, we still find ourselves in that chaos, right? We still find ourselves in that confusion. We still find ourselves faced with a decision or a situation that we don't know how to handle, right? Some of us are graduating and we need to get a job or maybe an internship and we don't really know what city to go to or what, what career path to choose. Some of us, maybe we're starting a dating relationship or we're in a dating relationship. We don't know if we want to take it to the next level or not. Maybe we have family issues. Maybe our parents are talking about getting split up and that's just weird and we, we don't know how to handle that situation. And suddenly we find ourselves confused and overwhelmed by this world around us. And Let me tell you, the only way that we can make it through is by listening to the one who's in control, to the one who who has control over all these pieces. And he's given us very clear commands, a very clear calling. I mean, this morning, that's what we're going to see in Acts 16. We're going to see a beautiful picture of how Paul and his, his company of, that were out planning churches, we're going to see how they were able to be hit by just this huge wave of confusion. And in the midst of that, they followed the Lord. They stuck to what they knew was true, and God delivered them. Okay, so look at verse 6. We see Paul and, and Silas and, and Timothy at this point, and they are going to try to evangelize certain areas. Okay, they're, they're moving around. They're trying to plant some churches. They already went to some old churches that we saw in chapter five, right? And, or 15, sorry. And so now, as they're moving, we see God communicate with them. And we see God communicate very clearly. Okay, one of the things I really want us to get and what we can understand in this passage is that sometimes, man, God's plan is very clear. Specifically, what we're about to see is God can be very clear when he says no. Okay, verse 6. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mycenae, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So, passing by Mycenae, they went down to Troas. Okay, so right here, what we see is this situation where Paul and his group, they're like, okay, we're, we're going to go start churches up here. Like, I really have a heart for this area up here. So we're going to go. And somehow, God told them no, right? Somehow the Holy Spirit, somehow the Spirit of Christ told them, Nope. Don't do that, right? We don't know if this was prophecy or maybe the situation. Maybe it was a vision. Uh, maybe I like to imagine that just like this giant, like God-sized squirt bottle just like lowered from the sky and just sprayed them on the nose. Anytime they try to go like that direction, it was like, no, right? Right, and they lick their nose. That's what dogs do in case you're confused. But they're trying to go to this area and somehow God tells them, no, 
I don't want you to go there. And you know, the truth is that sometimes we are fortunate enough to have a God who will tell us, no, this is a blessing, right? It is a blessing to know that sometimes God's no means no, that not every hardship that comes upon us is some sort of trial, right? And we're trying to make a decision and there's some obstacles that kind of pop up. We don't have to just think, well, I just got to get over it because rejoice in trials of many kinds, brothers. Like that's not, that doesn't always have to be our mentality. We can accept God's no as a no, uh, I have a good friend uh, up in Dallas who's going to school uh, for the sake of protecting her identity. We will refer to her as Voldemort uh, because why not? And so Voldemort goes to school up in Dallas and she is single. And so she, uh, you know, is having her, she has her eyes out. You know, she's looking around. She's looking for Boaz, kinsman redeemer, right? And so as she's up there and going to school, she has friends. She's, we have some mutual friends and she would hang out with them and one day she went over to their apartment and was like, oh my gosh, you guys, I gotta be honest, I think, I think I found a guy that maybe I'm interested in, I don't know. And they're like, okay, well, tell us about him. She's like, well, you know, we've been talking for a few weeks and he's in a couple of my classes and it's going really well and he's super nice and I just feel like we get along really well. I have a lot of things in common. We're just like talking and it's really great. It's, it's so fun. Just, but, but the only thing is I think he might be dating someone. I'm not sure. And they're like, well, how, you know, what makes you think that? She's like, well, I looked on his Facebook, and I don't know. He has some pictures with a girl. They're like, well, let's look. Okay, so they, they pull up the computer. They look on Facebook. Okay, of course. And so as they're studying, they, they kind of look at his profile picture. First profile picture, uh, he is, in fact, standing, holding hands with a girl. Okay, so they're like, well, you know, it's, it could be a sister, right? Like, ah. Maybe, you know, like really close cousin, you know, we'll give him that, right? So they look at, they continue to look at his profile pictures, you know, tracing it back through the years, and they see the next one, it's just him, and he's just hanging out in the park, I'm like, okay, yeah, that was great, great. Then the next one, he's back with the same girl, and this time, uh, they're doing that hug thing, where like, he's kind of like, behind her and to the side, he's like, ah, you know, and she's like, ah, yay, you know, and, and they're like, kind of like that, and, and so they're like, well, you know, if this is a sister, they have a really weird relationship, and maybe this is, you know, a little bit bad, like, but you know, let, let's just keep looking, the next picture was just him playing guitar, and they're like, all right, sweet, he's an artist, no biggie, maybe he's just weird, right, uh, but the next picture, he was back with the girl again, okay, and this time, he was actually uh, on one knee, uh, proposing to her, okay? And so in that moment, my friends turn to Voldemort. And they're like, Valdi, he is engaged, right? Like, he's definitely betrothed to be wed. Like, this is, there's no doubt about this, right? They look back at some of his other pictures that weren't profile, and there's like engagement photos, and like engagement part, like, happy engagement. And they're like, how, how did you miss this? Like, like, what in your mind, like, because she had already looked at these pictures, and they're like, how did you not pick up on the engagement, right? And she said, well, I just, I don't know, I didn't, well, I didn't, like, make them full size, I don't know. Like, she just, somehow in her mind, she had actually convinced herself that maybe this guy, maybe there was a chance, right? Somehow, she was able to fool herself, and the truth is, a lot of times, man, we are in that situation where maybe we're like, oh, maybe I should date this girl, and, like, there's all these horrible, horrible reasons not to, right? And we're like, but maybe, right? Uh, right? And we're trying to weigh it, right? And we do this over and over and over again. Uh, maybe this job, or maybe I want to take this, maybe I want to switch into this major. You know, I, I know I'm graduating in May, but gosh, I don't know, like engineering, what's there to do with that? I should switch into like 
English, right? Like, I don't know. Like, maybe you just decide that you want to switch into something and, and your friends are all like, no, that's, that's bad, right? You meet with a counselor, they're like, no, please don't do that. Like, that can, be, that can be a no. And sometimes, man, we just have to take it, right? Sometimes we have to accept no means no. And, and sometimes we have a problem with that, I think probably for a good reason, which is that sometimes no could mean not yet, Right? Like sometimes even we see here in Scripture, if, if we looked two chapters after this, when we get to Acts 18 in a few weeks, we'll see Paul in Ephesus, which is where he was trying to go. When he talks about going into Asia, he meant Ephesus. And two chapters later, we see him in Ephesus, right? That's a very known city because eventually Paul starts a big church there and he writes a letter to them called Ephesians, right? Like he goes to these areas. Peter writes later in scripture to Bithynia. Like there is a church that gets established there. So it's not that God was saying, no, I hate Ephesus. No, he's just saying, no, not yet, right? Sometimes that is the case, right? No doesn't always mean no forever, but sometimes it means not yet, right? Like with Voldemort, for example, she is now dating. She's been dating a guy for a few months now. They're very happy. Don't worry. Love is still winning, right? Like that's, Valdi can find a love you can too, right? Like it's, it's out there, right? It's possible, right? So it doesn't always mean no forever, but it could mean, mean not yet. And so whenever we are in that process of making that decision, man, just a few examples. When you start maybe thinking of doing something or dating someone or taking a job, if you're making this decision and someone can show you in scripture that it's clearly wrong, right? That's a no, right? If it goes against scripture, no. If you have a bunch of wise counsel, like all of your friends and all of the people above you that are wise and smart and they're talking to you and they're all telling you no on something, that's probably a good sign. No, right? You apply for a job and you don't get the job. It's probably a no, right? So we need to learn to take that no. We don't show up to the office and be like, I'm here. You know, like we can't, we don't do that, right? We have to sometimes take the no as a no because God is very clear. He's gracious to us in the sense that he will tell us no sometimes. He's also gracious when he's clear by telling us yes, right? Sometimes he's very clear. Look at verse nine. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately he sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Right, so just like God can tell someone no in a very clear way, he can also say yes, and we should be encouraged by that. And we should seize that opportunity. Uh, When my wife and I, first started uh, seeing each other. We, we met, I've told this a few times, but we met a total of four times, and our fourth time of meeting, it finally locked in, clicked, and so we, we hung out at uh, Lake Bryan because it's beautiful. And so we were there, right, and we did all that stuff, and then we wound up later that afternoon being at the same football game, right, first football game of the season, right, first Saturday, uh, you know, Kyle Field, and we're standing on the third deck with our fish camp, right, because why not? And so we're standing up there, and we just happen to be next to each other. And so we're just talking and we're just laughing and joking. We're just getting along really well. And we're just, you know, talking about life. And, uh, you know, I'm asking her really stupid questions because that was my strategy freshman year. Because everyone would be like, where are you from? And you're like, shut up. Doesn't matter anymore. I've told 100 people, right? And so I would try to ask people like, hey, what's your favorite Sonic drink? What's your favorite tree? <laughs> right? And I was like, good questions. But I was an idiot. Okay, so... But I was trying that, and so we're talking about these things. I'm like, you know, da, da, da. and it's just going really great. This back and forth. I'm like, man, this is really great. One of our camp counselors comes up, tries to talk to us, and we're just, I guess, evil because we give her 
false names and identities. And we're like, yeah, I'm totally on this thing. All right. And yeah, it was weird. So in that moment, I was, you know, thinking, oh, you know, maybe something's going on. And all of a sudden I get a tap on my shoulder. And a girl standing two steps behind me, she was also in our camp. We kind of knew her. And she asked me, she's like, hey, I can't really see anything. She was on the shorter side. I'm on the taller side. She's like, would you switch spots with me? And I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. You know, like it's one of those situations where you can't be like, no, right? Like that's weird. And so I said, yeah, yeah, for sure. And I started to move up those steps. But during that transition, time just kind of slowed down, right? And just, right? People are yelling, in the background. And in my mind, I was thinking, this is it. This is our make it or break it moment, right? In my mind, I was thinking, if I move up these two steps, I'm not going to be standing next to Susan anymore. And so if she stays down there, man, that's, that's going to be it for the rest of the football game. We're not going to interact. I don't know. But if she follows me up two steps, Maybe this is going somewhere, right? Like maybe, maybe I'll need to reevaluate the situation. And so I get up those two steps. I'm, you know, I don't want to like watch her because that's creepy. And so, you know, like I'm watching the game, watching on the corner of my eye. And kind of after about a second, sure enough, she just turns around and comes, stands up two more steps, right? And comes up to still stand next to me. And in my mind, I was like, game on, right? Like here, here we go buckle up, right? And so that, that game, I got her number, right? I asked her to hang out after the game. We went and we you know, had lunch after church the next day. So I hang out the whole next week, right? And so suddenly in that moment, I knew, okay, she has just given me a clear sign. I'm going to interpret this as a very clear direction of something's here. Something can work. Something can happen between us. And in that moment, man, it was so amazing. It was so beautiful to have that confirmation. And what's great is that sometimes God gives us that, right? Sometimes God will be so clear, and he will give us that clear forward direction. Uh, One of the best ways I've ever heard of looking for that clarity uh, is one time I heard uh, the president of Dallas Theological Seminary, and he was giving a talk actually here at Grace, and he was talking about when you're looking for God's direction, when you're looking at where God wants you in life, he says you you really want to look for three things. It says you look to see if God is blessing it. You look to see if you are enjoying it. And you're looking to see if others recognize it. Okay, example would be my relationship with my wife. As we were dating, right, as we were, things were getting more serious, you know, you, you have that moment where you're like, you know, is this, like, is this, am I in it to win it? Like, am I going to lock this down? Or like, what's going on? And in that moment, I went through that process where I thought, okay, is God blessing this relationship? Do I see God blessing us and others through this relationship? And I said, yes. I thought, am I enjoying this relationship? Am I in the midst of this? Am I just passionate about this woman? Do I, do I care about her deeply? Right? Do I love her? And, and the answer was yes. And then I thought, okay, what about the older people in my life? What about this guy who's discipling me right now? What about, what about my, my, youth, my uh, staff member that was overseeing the ministry I was serv- serving in? What do they see? How do they feel about this relationship? And it was an overwhelming, Jacob, we think you guys are great. We, we love you as a couple. You're so much better together. Like, we don't even like you. It's just together, though, you're great, right? So it was a yes. And in that moment, that's when I saw, when all of those pieces came together, I thought, this is a clear Sign. I'm going to interpret this as a clear direction forward from the Lord. Right? So sometimes we have that. But the truth is, is that most of the time we don't. Right? Even as I'm describing this, some of you are like, mm, yeah, okay, buddy. All right, yeah. 
three, three for three. Okay, yeah, right. Okay, right. Because we're we're in these situations, and maybe it's not even picking between like good and like horrible. Right. A lot of times, our our options are like great and awesome. You're like, well, what? Like, I don't know. Right. Or maybe it's you know terrible and horrible, and you're like, oh, I don't neither. Right. You don't know what you want to do because it's not clear. Right. It's confusing. Sometimes when God communicates with us, sometimes His plan can be so confusing. And we see this in chapter 16. Okay, we're going to skip a few verses. I'll sum it up for you in a second. But look at verse 22. Okay, right here, uh, Paul and his group, they basically were ministering in Macedonia in this area. And, and as they were there and ministering to people and preaching the gospel, they had this girl following them who was possessed by a demon. She was just shouting things and, and kind of st- getting in the way of their ministry. And so after a few days, Paul was just like, enough. And so he turns around and goes, get out. And the demon leaves. And in that moment, her owner, she was a slave, and her owners get really upset because they were using her to make a lot of money. And so they grabbed Paul and his group, and they took them before these, these magistrates. And they said, they're, you know, they're, they're doing all these things. It was against the law back then to proselytize. You could not try to push your own religion on a Roman citizen. It was a, you could practice whatever you wanted, but you couldn't push it on others. And so they said, you know, they're trying to push their, this thing, and they don't know what they're doing. And so the group, the, the authority figure said, okay, you know what? Let's beat them, all right? And that's where we pick up. Verse 22, it says, the, grou- the crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Man, when I, when I see something like this happen, when, I, when I'm seeing God tell Paul, hey, definitely go down here. And they do, right? And then they know, okay, we're going to be preaching. And so they preach. And then they see this person with a demon. And they're like, that's bad. We're going to cast that out. And they're doing these things that seem to be a part of God's plan. And then all of a sudden they get beaten. All of a sudden they get put in prison. And if I was them, I would be in that situation. I'd be wondering, why? Right? Why is this happening? What is going on? on. God, what is, this is confusing, right? This is chaotic. This is chaos. Why are these things happening? We thought we were following you. We thought we were a part of your plan. And a lot of times, man, we find ourselves in that situation, right? We've got that job decision or that major decision. We've got that family issue, that friend problem. And all of a sudden, we've got these things rising up. And our problem is that a lot of times, we don't have a plan, right? A lot of times, we're confronted with an issue. We're like, I don't even know what that is. Like, I don't, I have no idea how to deal with that. Right? Maybe there's a death in, in, in the family. Right? A few weeks ago, one of my, one of my friends, man, his, his brother died in a car accident. Just done. Just done. And I see them, and what do I say? I have no plan for that situation. He had no plan. Man, and sometimes it's not even that we don't have a plan. Sometimes it's that we have a plan and it just gets destroyed. It just gets ruined in front of our eyes, right? Sometimes we don't even realize we have a plan, right? Sometimes we, we don't even realize that we have this awesome plan constructed for our life until it suddenly gets ruined. We're like, oh, snap, this is not what I had planned, right? Uh, when my wife and I were in college, we took one class together through our whole four years. Uh, in our one class together, we took this music class. 
And uh, we went, and part of the requirement, you had to go to a recital of classical music. And so we showed up at the last one available, uh, along with everyone else that was in any section of the music class. And so everyone, like 500 college students, are trying to fit into this little chapel in Bryan that could hold probably about 350 people. And so we're all just packed to the rafters. Like, we're just filling up every pew along the walls. People are sitting in the choir loft behind the performers. And everyone's just crowded in. Performers in the middle of the room. We're just circled around, trying to listen, get our grade, get out, right? That, that's the goal. And, and at the beginning, our teachers stood up and they were like, you know, this is a very formal occasion. Everyone make sure that you are very, you know, quiet, respectful. Don't have your phones out. Don't move. Don't fidget. You know, like don't, ah, right? And they're just they're really serious about this whole situation. And so we're sitting there. We're just trying to get through. We're like, okay, here we go. Here we go. We listen to a song. Listen to another song, another song. And all of a sudden, Susan and I notice a girl in the choir loft who begins to move. We're like, oh my gosh. What's going on? And she, she gets up, like, oh, man. And she starts walking down the choir loft, right? So behind the performers, no one, the performers can't see, but ev- literally everyone else in the auditorium is now watching this girl because they're like, run, be free, small bird, right? Like, we're, we're just, we want to be her, right? Like, yes, get out of here. Like, you can do it. Like, escape, tell the others about us, right? Like, get out of here. This is so boring. And so she's just walking down and she's going kind of fast. Like, maybe there's an emergency. Maybe she's just going to lie her teeth off. I don't know, but I respect her. And so as she gets down, she's walking down the aisle and she's getting closer to us. And we realize, uh, you know what? Actually, she looks kind of odd. Like, she looks kind of weird. Like, she's kind of holding her stomach a little bit and she's kind of walking real fast and kind of supporting herself on the wall. And like, I don't know what's going on. She gets about halfway across the whole auditorium. We're like, she looks kind of boo. And she just vomits everywhere in the, middle of this re- in the middle of the recital, okay? And so every single student there is just, <gasps> right? And the performers, they have no idea. They're just, doo, 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 doo. and we're just like, oh my gosh, this is so much fun. We just want to applaud. We're like, bravo, right? Like this, thank you. Thank you for making this recital worth it, right? But at the same time, we're sad, kind of. But we see this girl, man, and she's just, she's just, Vomits all on the wall and on the floor, and she just has to run. She just runs out, and someone else like runs, like gets some towels from the bathroom. And it's like, oh, like trying to wipe it off. And it's just this horrible, you know, so uncomfortable situation that we're there. And in my mind, I was thinking, you know what? What a shocker, right? If I was that girl, I would probably be thinking to myself, man, never thought I'd vomit in the middle of a crowd of 500 people that would all be watching me at the same time. How unfortunate, right? Like, that's, that's what would be going through my mind. Like, she didn't even realize, you know what? I'm planning on not vomiting tonight until she did. And then she's like, oh, snap. I had a plan. It was a good plan, but it didn't work, right? Because sometimes, man, we have that plan. We, we, even if we're like, yeah, I don't know what I want to do, man. I don't know what job. I'm just going to go wherever. I'm going to live on the road or whatever. And then you're like, okay, well, in 10 years, you think you're going to, like, have a family? I'm like, well, yeah. You're going to live in a house? Yeah. You're going to own a car? Probably. You're like, okay, well, that's a plan idiot, right? Like that's, that's one of those things where you're like, okay, you know, we don't even realize we have a plan, but we do. And all of a sudden, boom, it gets wrecked. It gets ruined, right? Suddenly we're vomiting on the wall, right? Like that's, that happens. And in that moment, man, it's so hard. It's so hard because we're like, what do I do? Uh, my parents, uh, actually they lived, uh, in here in college station. I grew up in college station and my parents were living here and they were super pumped because they have me and I have two sisters and both of my sisters, one of them had a grandbaby. Another one was about to have a grandbaby. And I don't know if you realize this, if your parents are at this age yet, but once your parents become grandparents, like that's, that's it. Like that's all they care about. They don't, you don't even matter anymore. Just to warn you, you don't. They're like, grandbaby, 
old thing, right? Like they don't, they don't want it to have anything to do with you. They love their grandbabies. And my parents, oh my gosh, they were so excited because both of my grandbabies were going to be coming and living in College Station near them, so close. And my parents were just psyched out of their minds, right? They're just, they can't wait to be with these beautiful girls. And all of a sudden in the middle of that, uh, right as one of my sisters was about to move in, my parents were talking to me and they're like, you know what? I, I think we're going to go to Kentucky. We're going to move to Kentucky. I was like, why in the world would you move to Kentucky, right? You've been living in College Station for 25 years. My dad taught at the university. My mom was currently teaching at the university. And I was like, why? Why? Like, why would you do that? You're plugged in. You're, you have, you know, this community. You have uh, these jobs. You have your grandbabies coming in. What's, what's going on? And they just told me, look, well, we, we just really feel like that's where God's leading us. We've been praying about it, and we just we have a discomfort with some of our current situation. We just feel like we need to go. And we got these job offers up at this little college called Murray State University in Murray, Kentucky. And we're going to move there. And sure enough, they did. And they moved up there a couple years or about a year and a half ago. And in the moment, I was like, this is one of the strangest things I've ever seen, right? Like, I don't, why? And it was one of those things where my parents, again, were just like, yeah, we don't, we don't really know. Like, but this wasn't a part of our plan. It's just happening. I had a cousin who, uh, her and her husband were got married a little bit later in life, and they were super excited to have kids and just, just have them boom, 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 and just like start up this family and get it going. And the very first time they got pregnant, they're like, oh, this is going to be really great. And all of a sudden they found out they, had, they were going to have twins. They're like, oh, well, all right, double up, right? And so they, you know, start getting all this stuff, and they're preparing for twins and all that stuff. They have their twins. Turns out one of them uh, had a mental uh, disability, and so suddenly they had these two kids and they're like, you know, this is great. And, and, and they love them and they, and they cherish them. They're like, this is not part of our plan. And suddenly their family dynamic changed drastically from what they were, what they were planning. It was one of those things where you, they weren't even thinking about it. They just assumed, yeah, we'll have healthy kids that are, you know, normal status quo. And it wasn't like that at all. And suddenly they found themselves in the midst of confusion. Where they're like, God, I don't know what your plan is. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this. Amen. Let me tell you, when we find ourselves in that confusion, when we find ourselves in that prison with our feet in stocks, what's amazing and what we're about to see is that we can be confident in God. We can see that even in the midst of all, maybe what's clear, maybe what's confusing, God will still give us an amazing confidence in himself. Look at verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Suddenly, in the midst of our confusion, what we can know, what we can trust, is that there is a God who is all-powerful, who is all-controlling, who is over everything. And it's not just that. It's not only that he's big and powerful, because that alone wouldn't be enough. Instead, he's so big and powerful, and he cares about me, and he cares about you. That's what's so amazing, is that the creator of the universe, the man who holds everything together, holds it all in the palm of his hand, he cares about you. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows you with a deep intimacy. He cares about you, and he loves you. 
And we see that in Romans, when, when Paul is talking about this, he describes, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purposes. Paul's saying, look, God has your best interest at heart. He's moving things. He's orchestrating the world to work out for your benefit. Uh, when my uh, parents were up in Kentucky for about six months, suddenly one of my sisters who had a one-year-old daughter just got hit by wave after wave after wave of tragedy until she found herself with a one-year-old daughter, no job, no college degree, n- no anything. And she just found herself stranded in the situation and she didn't know what to do and she didn't know how to recover and she needed a fresh start and she didn't know how. And in that moment, my parents drove down, they picked her up, packed up her stuff and went back to Kentucky Man, for the past year and a half, she's been living there. She had this amazing fresh start where she got to go back to school and she had support from her parents and she got so much more connected with the Lord than she ever had before. And there was this amazing situation that I got to see, man, that never would have happened if they hadn't followed God's call to move there. He was orchestrating these things. He had these things in mind. He was pulling these strings. And man, does this mean that you are always going to have everything cheery and wonderful and that rainbows are just going to be exploding out of, you know, whatever, unicorns all day? No, like that's not, that's not the point, right? The point isn't that everything is going to be great in life. The point is that we can know as Christians that everything will be great and perfect after life. Right? We can realize that there's this God who loves us and he loved us so much that he sent his son to die. So much that he sent his son to die, was beaten and killed for us. And we know that not everything's going to be cheery because Christ himself told us, hey, you know how much the world hated me? You know how they beat me and killed me, crucified me? Yeah, they're going to do the exact same thing to you. Expect it. That's why we see all of his close disciples, they're all killed. And Paul, beheaded, Peter, crucified, upside down. These men who were on fire for the Lord, they were beaten and murdered. That was God's plan for them. And when we see that, we shouldn't be like, oh no, like that shouldn't worry us. Because what we realize is that after that death, after they left this world, everything was perfect. That God says there is a place of honor for those who die for his sake. We can know that there is a God who loves us so much that he'd provide an answer to our sin, an answer to the confusion, an answer to our brokenness. That if we merely put our faith in Jesus Christ, who came and lived a perfect life and died the death that we deserved, if we put our faith in that, if we ask for that forgiveness, it's ours. And no matter how dark and chaotic and horrible this world gets, we know that after I leave this world, everything's great. Everything's perfect. There will be no more pain. There will be no, no more chaos, no more tears. That's the confidence that we can have as believers. And it's beautiful, right? And as we have that confidence, man, it should really take a load off our shoulders, right? It should bring a lot of worry out of our minds because we realize in this moment that there is something so much bigger than our current struggles. There's so much bigger than our current strife, the the troubles. But we need to ask ourselves, okay, knowing this, knowing how great everything will be, knowing that there is a God that cares about me, what do I need to do now, right? Like, sure, maybe I trust God with that decision of, you know, getting a job. Or maybe I trust God with that decision of, you know, the spouse that I want to marry. But, but I still need to do something, right? Like, I, I need to focus on something right now. Otherwise, I'm going to go crazy thinking about it. And thankfully, God gave us a very clear calling, a very clear commandment that we see Paul and Silas living out. If you look at verse 27, it says, when the jailer woke, 
and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. When we look at Paul and Silas, what we see is that they were still firmly planted in the Lord's call. Because they were so confident that God was in control. When they were in prison, I hope you remember, they were singing praises. They were just singing, rejoicing. They were praising God. And then as soon as this whole crazy thing happened, they thought, you know what? God's using this. God wants us to be in prison. God wants us to be in this situation to the point that when the doors flew open, they just stayed. They're like, all right, we're just going to chill. We're going to see what God wants. And then the jailer comes in. They tell him, hey, don't. Don't kill yourself. Instead, come here. Listen. Let us tell you about this way to salvation. Let us share the gospel with you. They weren't just praising God, man. They were preaching the gospel to anyone who would listen. And when we look at our calling, it is the exact same all right, when we look in Deuteronomy, it tells us that the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. What this is telling us is that there are certain things in this life that belong to God, right? The secret things. Where are you going to be in 10 years? Which job should you ultimately take? Where, who's your spouse ultimately going to be? How is this family situation going to get resolved? Some of these things, man, they just, they belong to God. They're secret. They're in the future. We have no control. Jesus tells us that no man is going to add a day to his life by worrying about these things. So instead, what we need to do, we need to focus on the revealed things, right? We excel in the revealed things. That's what we are called to do. So in this moment, man, we need to think, what, what is revealed? And when we look at Paul and Silas, we see them, like I said, they're, pre- they're praising God and they're preaching the gospel. They're loving the Lord, their God, with all their heart, soul, and mind. The greatest commandment. And they're loving their neighbor as, them, as themselves, right? They are making, they are knowing God and they are making God known. That is our ultimate command. That is what we need to be occupying our time and energy and thoughts with. Knowing God and making him known. All right, so to close us out, man, how, how do we know God, right? Simple. Something that if you've been coming to Grace for a while, if you're a graduating senior, you will have heard this a hundred thousand times. And I would challenge you, listen to it again, okay? And, and hear it not as just this tired information. They're like, yeah, 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 right? So hear it as something new, a, a challenge. So maybe you've heard it, but are you living it out? Are you practicing these things? In the same way that when someone wants to lose weight or get in shape, right? You tell them what? Diet, exercise. That's it. That's literally what you have to do in order to get in better shape. No one's like, yeah, 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 diet, exercise. Like, I've heard that a few times. Like, what about mm, TV? Like, like that's, not, that's not ever a person's thought process because you're like, no, this is tried and true. This is the way it works, right? In the same way, when you want to know God, you study his word and you talk to him. You study his word and you pray. That's how you get to know God. That's how you know him better. That's how you make God your focus. Okay, in, uh, in the Old Testament, in 1 Kings, uh, when, when God is talking to the nation, he tells them, look, all of you need to be fully devoted to the Lord. In other words, you need to center your life around God. I like to think of this as you are making God your focus rather than making God fit. 
I have had multiple friends when we were graduating college. We're like, yeah, well, I'm going to go to Dallas, or I'm going to go to Houston, or I'm going to Austin, I'm going to go to Colorado. So I wonder how I can serve God in Dallas, right? And that seems like a great question, right? Everyone would be like, yeah, man, right on. Let's go do life and love on people, right? Like that's, that sounds really Christian-y. How can I serve God in Dallas? But the, the real question that they should have been asking, right, was where does God want me to go? It's not, okay, I'm going to go to Dallas. How can I serve God there? It's, God, where do you want me to go? Because in that moment, their number one focus wasn't where does God want me? It was, I want to go take this job and make this paycheck, or I want to be with this group of people. So how can God fit into that? But that's not right, right? We are fully devoted to the Lord. We are centering our lives around him. We are making him our focus. We're not making him fit. In the same way, when we are trying to know God and we're praying or we're studying his word, and we also need to be focusing on people, right? Making him known to others. Right? We should be going out and evangelizing. We, we should be inspired by Paul and Silas who are willing to, just in the middle of this crazy situation, tell the gospel to someone. Right, so maybe in this moment, maybe you feel like you're knowing God. Maybe you've got that figured out, but you've got to focus on people. Maybe you need to come sign up for a small group. Right, maybe you need to go online tonight and sign up. Maybe you're like, well, I'm graduating. I feel like I know God pretty well. Well, maybe you do, but maybe there's someone else in the group who would benefit from your questions. Maybe there's someone that you could meet and interact with who needs a friend. Maybe there's someone you could contribute to another person in that situation. Maybe you sign up for what we talked about earlier, the, the summer mission trips, right? The, the summer projects. Maybe you sign up for that. You think, you know what? I, I know God, and I, I promise you, if you go on a mission trip where you're really dedicating, you, I mean, there's nothing like the mission field to force you to make God your focus. And in the midst of that, when you're spreading, when you're preaching and evangelizing, and it's, it's a beautiful, amazing opportunity to both grow in your knowledge of the Lord and to make him known to others. So we're not going to sing any more songs, but I would just encourage you. Okay, we're going to take a couple minutes right now. We're just going to pray. I'm just going to let us be silent for a few minutes. We're going to pray to the Lord, and I would ask that you would take this time to really focus in on where is it that God is calling you to excel, right? What, what revealed thing could you be focusing on? Or maybe you feel like you're, you're hitting those revealed things, but maybe there's that one hidden thing that you just are trying to make your own, right? Maybe there's that one decision, that one just situation that you just, you just can't let go of. You can't stop thinking about it. You can't keep trying to just figure it out on your own. What do you need to just release and give to the Lord? So let's pray. God, I thank you for this evening. God, I thank you that you have given us so much clear direction in your scripture. That, Lord, there are principles and commandments that are so applicable to so many situations. God, I just, I thank you for that, that for that amazing gift of clarity. But, Lord, I pray uh, that when we face confusion, that, Lord, we would still be able to be confident in you, be confident in the knowledge that you are in control. That, Lord, that in the midst of that, that turmoil and that chaos, that, Lord, we would be able to focus on the revealed things, that we would follow our calling to know you and to make you known. God, to love you and to love people. So if you would take this moment and just pray, talk to the Lord, ask him where you can focus. This week, tonight, tomorrow, just pray that he would reveal to you 
which hidden thing you're holding on to or which revealed thing you are neglecting, which piece of your calling that you are forsaking. Lord, we thank you that you are in control and that you care. Lord, I pray for us tonight that this this thought process wouldn't just end when we walk out the door, but instead we would take this home, that we would wrestle with this idea as we're going to sleep, as we're having a devotional later in the week, that we would talk about this with our friends or with our accountability group or with our small group. God, I just pray that these thoughts would be stirring within us, that you would be convicting us, showing us a clear way to approach this crazy world. So Lord, I thank you for tonight. God, I I just am so grateful that you would use this moment to really speak into our hearts. So God, please continue to do so this week. Lord, we pray this all in your precious Son's name. Amen.